All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. Jeff here, uh, Brad vacationing this week, so I still kind of wanted to record a pod. So here I am. Um, I figured I'd reach out and just kind of do uh, a quick Q&A pod. I had initial plans to bring on my daughter, Maisie. She, uh, you know, some of you OG listeners might remember her from Gosh, she hasn't done a pod in probably almost a year. We used to do wrestling pods here and there. Um, but her schedule was just kind of busy these last two days and uh, couldn't squeeze her in. But I still wanted to answer these questions that I asked for. And uh, here I am. So let's go ahead and get started. I put out to the Facebook world asking for questions. And then I also wrote some questions down that I kind of had for myself that I wanted to talk about too. Um, well, let's start with this one. Uh, Jared Redding writes in, by the way, Jared Redding just started his own podcast. Give that a listen to. It's called Trippy J pretty much on all platforms. I think at this point, definitely on Spotify. Uh, Jared is a, is a pretty loyal real talk follower. So how much longer is Jim Harbaugh coaching at Michigan? Good question, Jared. Uh, so 365 days ago, I would have told you that his time's coming to an end. And then just this past winter after Michigan has their um, monumental win over Ohio State and their miraculous Big Ten championship win, and they go to the college football playoffs, uh, come up short against the eventual national championship team of the Georgia Bulldogs, but um, Harbaugh started looking for NFL jobs. Well, then he returned back to Michigan. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of seem to think that Harbaugh is, is all in as he can be, I guess. Uh, there is a, a part of me that wonders how much this NIL will take a toll on some of these schools and some of these programs. And you know, Jim just might be like, you know what, this just isn't for me or, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's really hard to say. I do think that it's not even arguable. Jim Harbaugh just had his best season at Michigan, bar none. Um, I think I could even go as far as saying he had his second greatest coaching season ever behind just his Super Bowl team that lost to the Ravens. Um, and I, you know what? Honestly, it might even be better than that team just for what they were able to accomplish. Uh, the, the victory over Ohio State was obviously... Um, I, I can't even... It's hard to even put into words sometimes, but it was such a big win. Um, it's the biggest win for the program in... Gosh, 30 years. I mean, it's it's such a – it was such a monumental win. Matter of fact, let's say this. So Michigan's 1997 team is turning 25 years old this year. It was the biggest win in 25 years. I mean, um, Michigan beating Ohio State. So Jim just had a great year. I would love for him to stick around. Um. I think that the team that he's bringing this year, 
that, you know, he brought back the entire offense minus Hassan Haskins. Um, I think the offense is arguably better than it was last year at this point. The defense has a lot of question marks as it's going to be pretty young. I want to get back to answering the question. I think Jim Harbaugh is at Michigan for at least, at least three more years. But I also think it's more likely that he's there 10 years than he is for just one more. So, um, three years is my, is my men. I think he's there at least three more years and sees what, uh, with this class that he has and what impacts they make. Obviously, you know, coming off the 2021 Big Ten Championship. Um, second question comes in from Jen Fisher. Jen is a uh, loyal Real Talk listener, and I absolutely love this question. I'm really glad somebody wrote this question. Otherwise, I'm just going to prepare it for myself, so. Do you think the Yankees should pay Aaron Judge? Uh, Before I get into the question, so quick background on me. So this past weekend, um, my daughter Maisie turned 10 years old. And as like 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 a cool thing to do for her turning 10 in celebratory, um, 10 years old, that's a pretty big age. I mean, no, it's not. 16 where you can get your you know your license and no it's not 18 where you're officially adult or no you're not 21 where you can have a beer but 10 years old man it's double digits for a kid that's pretty big and um me and my wife had our daughter when we were really young and you know it's shocking that we even made it this far but you know 10 years old right so we, we decided hey we want to take you somewhere we want to take you somewhere big and i kind of gave her the option but i also kind of proposed new york city i just felt like that was a really cool um destination to take for her turning 10 so i basically said hey here's a couple of cities um though i think you should pick new york where would you want to go and she of course said yeah let's go to new york so took her to new york for turning 10 we went and seen the empire state building statue of liberty um times square Ground Zero. We went to the 9-11 Museum, had some great pizza. We had a great trip. Two days. Um, while we were there, we also were able to, we didn't catch a game, but we watched it on our TV in the hotel room, Red Sox-Yankees. And, you know, it's something I've been thinking about. I've been listening to a lot of Salary Cap podcasts. Uh, and I've heard some opinions and, you know, obviously some talk shows, not a lot, have brought up the Aaron Judge situation, but it's very unique. And I'll also say this. So my father-in-law, diehard Yankees fan, Yankees fan since, I mean, he's almost 70 years old. He's been a Yankees fan pretty much as long as he's been a baseball fan. Um, he told me, you know, Aaron Judge is a very unique situation because he came on so late in his baseball career like Aaron Judge didn't start really officially getting himself like acclimated into this league until I believe 2014 I think was his first year 2016 so it's even later in 2016 he only played 27 games so really we're talking 2017 
was his first year. Okay. But here's the crazy thing. In 2017, he hit 52 bombs. I mean, that's a massive year. He had 128 runs. That was best in the league. He had 52 home runs, best in the league, in 114 RBIs. So since 2017, he's won, he's gotten four All-Stars. Okay. He did miss a significant amount of time in 2020 um, between the season being short and the fact that he was just hurt. Um, but he's played two pretty much full seasons and then two like three-quarter seasons. Um, seven years in this league, and he's currently he is currently, I believe, 30 on the dot. I believe he is my age. Why can I not find this? Okay, I believe he's 30. So the problem is, what? yeah, he's 30 years old. So what kind of deal do you give him? He's actually a month. He's the same month, April 26, 1992. I'm April 2nd, 1992. So he's literally my age. I'm a little bit older. Mike Trout is also this age as well, which is kind of unique, and so is Harper. But those guys got their deals a couple of years ago. So Judge is asking for his deal now. What do you what do you give him? He's currently making ten million, which is basically, in sports terms, nothing, right? Ten years puts him at forty years old. So really, you could always come in with the idea of we weren't paying him what he was actually valued at for so long that who cares if we eat a couple of years? Yeah, but a lot of teams aren't even thinking that way. To answer your question, Jen, I guess when you say, do you think the Yankees should pay Aaron Judge? Yes, I think they should pay him. How much do I think they should pay him is what I'm going to answer. I think it needs to be roughly in the 35 to 40 million a year. And I would start at, I think they're going to settle at 40. If you do 40 at eight years, that's 320. I think that's the magic number. I think he signs immediately. Eight years, 320. Boom. Okay. That's 40 million a year. And I think that they would get, a very good return on investment on that, especially for the next four years. I think they're getting great value. I mean, he's arguably he's arguably the best hitter in baseball currently. I mean, if if the Yankees don't pay him, he will get paid. One hundred percent will get paid. Red Sox, um, the Mets. You know, maybe he stays in New York, just goes across the subway, signs with the Mets. Um, watch out for the Red Sox, even though they got a couple of guys there themselves. They got Bogarts and they got Devers, who are both looking for contracts. Maybe they're like, hey, we'll take one of our two pieces, but we'll go steal Judge, you know. Um, there's been some other names floated around. I do believe, I think San Francisco is one of the names being floated around. Overall, it's just like, He's going to get the money, but who pays it to him? Eight years. Eight years, 300, I think, could work, too. That's 37 and a half a year. Um, It's just it's such a it's so different than what a lot of people are getting at because his first contract's coming at 30. 
Like Juan Soto, he's like 24 years old, okay, and just turned down a 15-year 15, 15 contract for $440 million. So that should give you the idea of kind of what Judge is dealing with. Like he's six years older than Juan. Just a very unique situation. It's something that we're not – we don't see a lot of. I mean, Judge just kind of was a late bloomer, but now he's – a beast. So you got to pay him and you know, he's worth a lot. So if I'm the Yankees, I do. I mean, it's not like they're paying anybody else. I mean, they got some contracts. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, they're out of the Yankees, but I mean, he's their best player. I'd pay him. Uh, Kyle Miller writes in, if you could be an assistant coach on any team for a season, where would you want to be? I'm going to assume he's talking any sport, any, any team. Um, definitely Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines. And I think I would coach. What position could I coach? I think I'd want to coach the safeties. I've always thought I was a pretty good safety. Um, but also I would be a hell of a motivational speaker. Like that's, I, it's really funny. I've always thought that's my calling in life is actually a motivational speaker. Somebody that could get in front of a room and just like talk to people, get them hyped up for the day. Um, I would love to give like a locker room speech before every game. Um, that's something I would absolutely love to do. If I could give one locker room speech before I died to the Michigan Wolverines, my life would be complete. Absolutely complete. I think that'd be so cool. Hope to answer your question, Kyle. Uh, Jamie Lado. Love when Jamie writes and he's always got great questions. Looking back, what is one sports moment that you remember vividly and still get goosebumps? He says his would be Maglio's walk-off on Houston Street and the A's. What... Sports memory still gives me goosebumps that I remember vividly. So just recently, and this is, I mean, this obviously just happened, but Michigan beating Ohio State this past season, uh, I just recently re-listened to that on a radio call. Um, Obviously, I watched it on television that day, and I've seen several replays since it's been on TV. And, um, But I actually listened to the radio call for the first time with Jim Brandstand and Dan Deerdorf. And that was, um, not only did I get goosebumps, uh, got a little teary eyed at times, uh, very fun. Listen, um, literally I was getting goosebumps, chills, everything for the better course of, it's about an hour of a broadcast. It was, um, I don't want to say it was just highlights, but it was highlighted. It wasn't the entire broadcast of three and a half hours, but uh, it was exceptional. Got me very hype. Um, but that one's still really new. So what other one? Um, man, you know, the one that comes up, I feel like the most, and I feel like this one's probably really hard to top. February 1st, 2015. 
February 1st, 2015. I was invited to two different Super Bowl parties. Um, deciding between the two or staying home. Well, massive blizzard comes through that night in Northwest Ohio and I'm stuck in my house. Didn't go anywhere. And New England, Tom Brady, and the boys taking on the Seattle Seahawks and the Legion of Boom, Super Bowl 49. And Tom Brady played, I thought, outside of one or two bonehead mistakes, he played the game of his life against arguably the best defense in 10 years um, up to that point. And he torched them for four touchdowns. And Seattle made a made a hell of a, a storm back to to win the game at the goal line, and as everybody remembers it, they do not run it with Marshawn Lynch because they got stuffed two straight plays before that. So they throw it, and it's picked off by Malcolm Butler. And at that very moment, I'm watching the game pretty much by myself, but my wife is behind me with my very young. Um, two-year-old daughter and her two sisters who had walked to our house because they lived a couple blocks away at the time. They were just walked over and I just explode. And it was, and it still plays. And every time I see the replay, I, I replay it. Um, it. It was such a momentum swing, such a turn of events. Um, I can't think of another time the Super Bowl was ever decided on one play like that. Where if this ball is complete, one team wins, it's picked off, the other team wins. I mean, it's literally as as, um, as simple as that. Malcolm Butler, game-wing interception, Super Bowl 49. Uh, absolutely comes to mind. I chills just talking about it. I mean, it was so cool. Um, and Brady played the game of his life, and uh, thankfully it wasn't taken away because had New England lost that game, Brady would have dropped to three and three in Super Bowls. He would have lost three straight after winning three straight. It would have been, um, crazy to think about, crazy to think about. Obviously Brady still ended up winning multiple more, but had he not won that one, what would the narrative be for so long? Crazy to think. And then, God forbid, he loses. So he, let's pretend for a half second he loses that one, Super Bowl Forty Nine. Okay, they run. You know, the Seahawks run the ball like everybody says they should have, and they win, right? So Brady starts three and th three and zero oh in the Super Bowl. Then he loses three straight, so he drops to three and three. And then what happens? Super Bowl Fifty One. He's down twenty eight to three. What would the narrative be at that very moment that Tom Brady's a choke artist? That would have been literally. What everybody would have been saying. That's crazy. But he's the GOAT. So uh, I did write five questions to myself um, that I've been wanting to answer. And for whatever reason, just haven't gotten time or haven't potted. But question number one comes in from me because I wrote it. Where do you think KD will land? So. This has played out 
quite a bit since the news initially broke. I mean, this news broke roughly three weeks ago at this point, I believe. So we've had all this time to really digest the KD stuff. And um, I've obviously seen some trades happen since then. And I've also had time to listen to a lot of um, salary cap podcasts where they talk about what teams could and could not get him and why or why not. So I have a general understanding of where KD can actually go. There's also this problem where Rudy Gobert was traded for a massive haul four first rounders, five players, I believe it was, but one of the players was a freshly picked first round pick. So it's almost considered five, but um, he kind of reset the market quote unquote. And now nobody wants to trade for Kevin Durant because nobody wants to give up that large of a haul, which makes total sense. I wouldn't want to either because the problem is, is you trade Kevin Durant to a team, they give up all that. Well, now he's on an ass team. It's like, why trade him? You know, Gun to my head, I think Kevin Durant is still in Brooklyn at the start of the year with different pieces around him. I do think, and I'll get to this in a second, I think Kyrie has moved. And I just think that KD finds himself on a roster with the Brooklyn Nets with pieces, Ben Simmons and other pieces. If he is traded, the only team that makes logical sense but would have to give up quite the haul is the Miami Heat. He goes to Miami, teams with Jimmy Butler and Bam, and they give up Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, um, some other role players, and picks. And at that point, you have a big three, and then you try to do the rest. So I think Miami makes the only logical trade destination sense. Unless... <laughs> This this is the other one that has made sense, but I just don't see it happening because it's just unrealistic. But if the Jazz took their compensation for Rudy Gobert and just flipped it to Brooklyn for Kevin Durant, Team Kevin Durant with Donovan Mitchell, I don't think Kevin Durant wants to go to Utah. I don't think Utah's going to trade for him. I'm just saying that that trade would make sense. I just don't see that happening. Second part of this is where do you think Kyrie will land? I. At this point, it seems like he's going to end up with the Lakers. He's either going to be on Brooklyn or L.A. The problem is nobody wants Kyrie except for the Lakers. The Lakers aren't willing to give up a bunch because nobody else wants him. Brooklyn is kind of in the Baker. Kyrie Irving is literally Baker Mayfield in the sense of Brooklyn wants to trade him. And nobody wants him. So nobody wants to pay for him. But he's worth money. It's just a big, giant, big, giant, like, circle. You want to be traded. Nobody can trade for him. Yada, yada, yada. So problem is, where does he go? In my opinion, it's either L.A. or Brooklyn. Either traded to L.A. for probably Russell Westbrook. Or he's back in Brooklyn. And part of the reason I think that a lot of these reports that well, the Lakers are willing to run it back. No, you're not. You're not running that back. You've seen what Russell Westbrook is. I have seen reports that Kyrie gets shipped for Russell and then Russell from Brooklyn gets shipped to the Spurs somehow. That makes little to no sense. But regardless, Kyrie's two destinations, in my opinion, stays in Brooklyn, plays in L.A. Kevin Durant's 
stays in Brooklyn, plays in Miami. Those are the two. Third question here. Tom Brady joining Fox to broadcast football games after he retires. What do you think about this? This was massive news over a month ago, and this never got brought up on the pod. Uh, Brad and I obviously just took time off, and this just never came up between the two of us, which is kind of weird. Um, what do I think about this? I absolutely love this. I think Tony Romo is one of the best color guys in the game. I'm sorry. He's actually not a color guy. He's actually more of a um, analysis. Yeah, he's an analysis. Um, Jim Nance does the color commentating. But his his analysis is great. I love listening to Tony Romo call games. Um, I think Brady can do it a million times better. Um, just from what I've seen on Time versus, Tom versus Time, on his old Facebook documentary, what I've seen on um, Man in the Arena, his ESPN documentary, what I've seen on Three Games to Glory, the Patriots Super Bowl videos, hearing Tom talk about football, listening to his podcast, he is so freaking smart. Like People don't realize how actually intelligent he is. Um, and he can actually be pretty funny, too. I think that this is going to be an absolute home run. And there's a reason he was paid 10 years, $300 million. By far and away, the most that anybody's ever made broadcasting football games. So, um, good for Tom. It makes me, obviously it makes me happy because, you know, my, what started as a childhood hero and now into my freaking adulthood. I'm now 30 years old. I've been rooting for this guy since I was, gosh, 12, 14. I mean, for so long that once he does finally step away from the game, I'll still have opportunities to see him on my televisions, which is, which is very cool. Uh, fourth question here. John Madden rightly, rightfully is on the cover of Madden this year, obviously. But if not John this year, who would have made the most sense to make the cover athlete? For me personally, I was thinking about this, different ideas, different people that would make a great cover athlete. But if I was designing the cover of Madden this year, it would have been the first ever team cover. And here's what I mean by that. You would have gotten Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. Boom. In like a like a pyramid, like a not a pyramid, but like a diamond form on the cover of Madden. Um like the Rams. Obviously they just had a fabulous season winning the Super Bowl. But there were so many contributors. Obviously, Aaron Donald's the one that gets talked about the most because he's been a 99 in Madden for like six straight years or whatever it is. But Cooper Cup just won the Triple Crown and then followed winning the Triple Crown up by winning the Super Bowl MVP. Matthew Stafford, obviously, being in a poverty franchise for so long, coming over the Rams and just being an absolute dog. And then Jalen Ramsey, obviously, being 
um, the top corner in Madden as far as a lockdown guy and help them get their way to the Super Bowl. You know, you can even throw in a OBJ on there just for, for star popularity. But I, I would have almost made it a team cover. I think that would have been really cool. I think that would have been really cool. Number five this is going to be the last question, and then we'll wrap this pod up. This one might go long, though, so I apologize if it does. I've said this several times over the last several weeks since as far as the last several years. Uh, I've said it on Facebook. I've said it on Twitter. I've said it on people's Facebook posts. I've seen it on people's tweets. Um, I've told people this. I This is my most confident sports take I've ever had. It, in my opinion, it's inarguable. Number five, who is the most disrespected athlete of all time? It is far and away LeBron James. Like literally far and away LeBron James. Why is... LeBron James, the most disrespected athlete of all time, Jeff. I think part of the problem is LeBron James, when he became the most hated athlete or the most disrespected athlete, two things happened. Thing number one, he decided to leave his quote-unquote hometown Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, LeBron James, born, raised Akron, Ohio, um, Mr. Ohio basketball, one of the greatest high school players to ever walk this planet. One of the greatest basketball players to ever walk this planet. Number drafted number one, overall, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Things just don't work out. Benjamin can't get him the correct help. He went to drug a team to the NBA finals. They had absolutely no business being in the NBA finals. And he got swept four games to nothing to, um, Timmy Duncan the Spurs, and one of their many dynasty wins. So in 2012, 2011, sorry, 2011, he leaves for the Miami Heat, takes his talents to South Beach. What else is going on in 2011 when LeBron does this? Social media is peaking at this time. You know, there's MySpace that's kind of on the down. Facebook is definitely on the, like, the up. Twitter is on the up. And from that point forward, it only goes up. Facebook has trajected up. Twitter trajected up. All we want to do is talk about what we feel we know. We, we post this, we post that, we type this, we type that, we comment here, we comment there, we tweet here, we tweet there, uh, we share this. It's become popular to hate LeBron James. And now, it, it you know, people tie LeBron James' hate to his political views. And that, I'm not going to get into politics on this podcast, but um, whether you agree or disagree with LeBron James' political views... I understand why you why you can't you feel you can't support an athlete because of that. 
I personally completely separate <clears throat> my politics and my sports. I don't care if you knee for the flag or it, whatever you're doing. It does not matter to me in that sense. As long as you're not beating your wife or kids or, you know, whatever. What you do on the football field, I separate from your, I separate the art from the artist, as I like to say. Um, second reason. So he, he, obviously he leaves to go to Miami and social media. So that's like number one. That's in my opinion, that's huge. That right there in that time frame is huge. Number two, number two reason. Why else is he disrespected? Right? Two reasons. Okay. Just like the first part was two reasons. This one's two reasons. People don't like when their guy is in question. Your goat's Michael Jordan. Six championships, no losses. Who's the guy that kind of... Who's the guy that's nipping at his toes, if you will? Who's the guy that's on his heels? Who's the guy that is front and center right in front of us? It's LeBron James. We don't want our goat being questioned. We don't want that taken away from us because we have feel, feel. I say we as in the world. This is how this is how people think. They grew up watching MJ. They think they think MJ's the greatest. He can't be touched. They're not going to hear another guy or f allow themselves to see another guy be better than their guy. I will say this. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback that I've ever seen in my life. It will be very hard for me to see somebody better. But I honestly can tell you that if I seen somebody better, I feel like I could tell you. I do feel that way. It's going to need to take a lot. Because Tom did it better than anybody, longer than anybody. And that's kind of where I'm at with LeBron. We've, LeBron has done it for so long at such a high level that we we keep trying to compare him just to Jordan. If you take LeBron at face value, you might actually think he's a good player. But if you're constantly trying to compare him to Michael cuz he's he's, you know, challenging him as your goat, yeah, that might upset you. The the whole 6 and 0 in the finals thing is the most laughable excuse I've ever heard as to why Michael Jordan is the GOAT. If your reason for Michael Jordan being the GOAT is he's 6-0 and in the finals, L-O-L. L-O-L. Ha-ha. I, I, I can't even accept that. Now, if you want to say, my reason for the GOAT is my GOAT plated 10 NBA finals. I don't care if you won or lost. You went to 10 NBA Finals? Yeah, I went to eight in a row. Excuse me? You went to eight NBA Finals in a row? Like, 
tell me something that hasn't been done before. Okay? You know who's won three NBA championships in a row? Lots of people. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pimpin, his teammate, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Bill Russell. Lots of people. The problem is, Michael Jordan's career is not comparable because he did this little thing called quitting to go play baseball and quitting because his coach was going to be removed. So because of that, we can't accurately give him the critique that we give LeBron James for quote-unquote losing in the finals because he happened to go eight times in a row. And he went to the finals way early than he should have by dragging a horrendous Cleveland Cavaliers team back in 2007 when LeBron James was still just a young pup. Why is LeBron James the most disrespected athlete ever? He challenges your GOAT. He left his hometown team, and you guys all disliked that. Then he left that team. Then he left that team again. He's been everywhere. Everywhere he's been, he's won a title. That's crazy. He's won a title with three different teams. He took a horrendous Cleveland Cavalier team to prominence. Never won a title. Had to leave. He took a Miami Heat team. That was a mid-pack team. Joined up with his buddies. Made them a championship contender for four years running. Winning two titles. Leaves them. Leaves them. After you all made fun of him for being there, he decides to leave them and go back home. Y'all criticize him for that too. Okay? And what does he do in the four years he's in Cleveland? He goes to the NBA Finals every single year. But what does he have to go against those four years? In my opinion, the greatest four-year stretch of any team in NBA history, the Golden State Warriors. And the greatest team ever assembled. The 73-9 and Golden State Warriors traded in Harrison Barnes, who most of you, if you're not NBA geeks, don't even know where he's currently at in the league. They traded him in for a player. Hang on, let me try to remember his name. Oh, that's right. Kevin fucking Durant. Kevin Durant replaced Harrison Barnes. That team went 73-9. and I can't remember who beat the 73-9 and team. Oh, that's right. LeBron James. Who cares? Um... LeBron James couldn't get past the greatest single team ever assembled. And we're trashing him because of it. It's actually hilarious to me. But moving on. Why is he the most disrespected player ever? He has political views you hate. He left your hometown Cavs. He challenges your goat. And now he's chasing immortality by soon being the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, and that disgusts you guys. Call LeBron James whatever you want to call him. 
Dude's a great dad, a great husband, a model citizen in his community, out of his community. Multiple-time NBA champion with three different teams. Everything that I've just told you, why is he the most disrespected athlete of all time? I'm not going to answer the question anymore. You answer it. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I don't really talk a lot about LeBron James on this podcast, shockingly. We kind of uh, stray away from that, talk a lot of NFL, but wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, sorry I couldn't get Maisie on here. I was really hoping for a Q&A with her. I thought that would be fun. Uh, her schedule just couldn't get it on here. But I wanted to talk a little sports while Brad was out this week. We're back next week with AFC East, Patriots, baby, Dolphins, Buffalo Bills, New York Jets. And then the following week, hold on to your hats. We got the AFC West coming up. Brad will be back for that one, but we also got a special guest joining us. We're going to have a third person talking AFC West. The biggest division needs an extra guest. Uh, I'm excited for it. I know Brad is too. Um, One more thing before I get off here. Brad had this swell idea. I love it. Um, Yeah, we're real talk, but he added a money talk post to the Facebook page now. Um, every week he'll be uploading it basically, Hey, what's your locks for the week? Give me your, give me your top dollar bets. If you want to engage in bets, go ahead. But this isn't really, that's not really necessarily what this is for. It's just like, what are your locks? What, what are you going to be betting this week? What would you, what would you want to bet this week? Um, put them in there. Let us know. I'll definitely be giving you shots as we see people hitting these bets. So, all right. I think that's a, that's a wrap. Have a good night. Enjoy your weekend coming up. And uh, we're almost there, guys. I believe it's less than 50 days till football. So here we go. And I'll see you next time. Real talk.